Hello everyone, welcome back to Deadset Podcasting. Josh here. Now I wouldn't normally start an episode recording into my phone in an untreated room, but considering my conversation today, which is part one of a very enjoyable chat that I had with James Cridland, someone I've been wanting to speak to for a really long time from podnews.net, I get asked sometimes by people just starting out or people a bit further along their journey, what's the most important thing with sound? And they're thinking, I'm going to say microphones or monitors for audio or plugins or the software you use. The thing for me is the environment. So we're in my new office here and I won't keep you too long, but I just want to move from room to room quickly and show you an untreated space with two windows with no treatment at all facing basically the main street of my town although it is about eight o'clock at night so not a lot of traffic what an untreated room looks like so this is basically my office where I'll be doing some editing stuff and just a private place for me to do work on the computer and what it sounds like when I move into a space that I've been working on to treat so we've just gone through the door and I will close the door to the other room to cut out the street noise if there is any so I'm just moving behind a curtain here. So this is my new studio space. Obviously you can't see it yet. Not quite ready to reveal the look of the space to the world, but I'm still talking into the phone. I haven't changed anything. This is treated exactly the same in my post-production and I'm speaking at the same volume. And I'll even talk a little bit louder. And I mean, the space is really really dead not to the point where it's uncomfortable when you walk in I've been in recording studios in my music life where the control rooms were so dead it felt like the air got sucked out of your body when you walk in there it's not that dead but I'll just sit down quickly in one of my spots here which is one of the three positions where people will be speaking hopefully post-covid there'll be more than three people in here but we have to be distanced at the moment when it does start to happen and I'll show you guys at some point all of the treatment that I've done in here in a video. If you're wondering about how to get good sound, to me the most important thing is the environment. Choose an environment that's not too noisy, that's not distracting, but also doesn't have a lot of natural reverb unless that's what you need in the sound. If you're doing an on-location sports podcast from a basketball stadium obviously you want some of that reverb because that space naturally has a massive amount of reverb it would be weird if you tried to get rid of all that okay bit of a weird intro i know but i just wanted to share that because i'm kind of excited as to where this new room's at and i'll just head back to my other room the office just so if you're wondering oh what did the reverby room sound like and to be honest it's not the most reverby room ever anyway. It's actually okay. But this is the, the space that I've just walked back into and you can really hear the difference. I don't know what else to say. It's all about the environment, really, people. It's more important than the microphone, although the mic can help a lot if you're in a disagreeable environment. But why work in an environment that is less than ideal and then have to spend a fortune on getting a specific microphone to deal with the environment that may not actually suit your voice. So we'll jump in with James Cridlin now. I had the best chat with this guy. (laughs) It was great. This is only part one because in part two, we actually go into some listener 
questions that I collected off Facebook. And that part of the interview went way longer and was way more in depth than what I expected. So I want to have that as a separate episode so those people don't have to, you know, listen through half an hour of conversation to hear the answers to their questions. And we went on some serious rabbit holes in part two, which were pretty cool. So today is very Australasian centric. We talk about Triple J, we talk about Brisbane, we talk about the Australian radio market, we talk about the strength of our youth broadcasters here and in the UK. We talk about how hard you have to work as a podcaster because radio is actually really, really good in this part of the world. And it's also the same in the UK and parts of Europe. You have to work really hard to pull people away from stuff they're used to listening to already. We have a little bit of a different perspective on radio and podcasting and the bridge between those two things in this part of the world because for us, podcasts have to be really good to get past the threshold of the quality of our radio programs in this part of the world. So enjoy this, James Cridlin, champion bloke, great accent once again. And yeah, you're going to get a double accent treat. I guess you call it a treat. That's unless you don't find my accent absolutely horrifying. <laughs> it will jump in there with James and... Look out for part two, where we do some listener questions as well. Okay, cheers, guys. You're listening to Dead Set Podcasting with your host, Josh Liston. This is a show dedicated to podcasting in Australia, New Zealand, and Southeast Asia. Follow along with today's episode over at deadsetpodcasting.com. Okay, here we go. So, James, I know in the past you've referred to yourself as a radio futurologist and Something that I've been fascinated by with yourself is that you've now expanded your, I guess, field of expertise to include, obviously, podcasting maybe in a more public way. Do you still describe yourself professionally as with that moniker of the radio futurologist or is there another way that you're talking about yourself now as opposed to when that first maybe was what you were describing yeah. yourself as? <laughs> yeah, radio futurologist is an interesting word, isn't it? Yeah, so I mean, I, I have, uh, I mean, I've worked in radio for a long, long time, and I still have a bit of a job of, um, of you know, conference speeches around the future of radio, not right now, of course. But, uh, you know, so radio futurologist is still something that, uh, you know, if you if you have a ridiculous title like uh, that, you might as well carry on using it. But more and more now, you know, it's very clear that the future of radio is on demand and the future of, um, you know, audio listening is on demand as well. So I think from that point of view, uh, you know, I'm, I talk I talk about myself to most people as editor of pod news Um but uh, if there's a potential speaking gig in the future, then uh, a radio futurologist is always a good thing. It'll definitely make you stand out on the poster and the promotional yes, material. So indeed. <laughs> just to clarify, we, did you ever feature on an episode of a show called This Week in Radio Tech? Maybe about four years oh, ago? Oh, yes. About five years ago, oh. yes. I was talking about a piece of technology, yes, a long time ago back then. Yeah, I think um, that might have been when I first heard you and I thought, hey, you've got an awesome accent. And I had a feeling, just a few of the words that you said, I don't know if you were in Australia at that point or whether you had a connection to Australia, but I thought, that's some interesting terminology. That sounds a little bit Australian at times. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, I don't know if that show is still in production, but that was such a beautiful show. And it's, I don't know, that's a complete detour, yeah. which is how this show works. But Yeah, no, it was a great show. It was a great show and really interesting. That was a piece of technology that I was working on at the time, which is now in a bunch of cars and things, and it makes you know radio a far more immersive experience. It so, was a meta yeah. metadata, embedded metadata for song information. Was that? Yeah, well, it was sort of more um, complex than that, obviously. Yeah, 
more comp but it, it essentially means that your car radio actually knows what radio station it's tuned into and what its logo is and where to find more information over the internet so yeah and that, and that was you know great fun to be working on you know all those years ago but that was uh, well over five years ago and i was in the attic in my house in london at that point okay very good <laughs> so we will come back to radio because i don't get to speak to many people that that are steeped in a history of radio the way that you are. Not that many of us left. <laughs> but <laughs> before we get on to that, I just wanted to talk to you just quickly. Before we got on today's call, I mentioned that we might be doing this on Skype and you used a classic British word that I think is fantastic. You said goodness, <laughs> which for anyone that's not familiar with what the context of that is, it's like, are you serious? But a very polite way of saying that. Are you sure? <laughs> are you sure about that? <laughs> Question mark. Uh, what was that visceral visceral reaction you had to Skype or were you just mucking around? I mean, I understand that Skype has got myriad problems, but was there a reason why that happened? Are you thinking that maybe yeah, we're, we're beyond Skype as an industry? <laughs> I mean, I've used uh, I've used a lot of different technologies for talking to people. Um, Skype was obviously one of the first. Uh, I was trying to convince people in the early days that it was called Skypey just as a joke. But uh, sadly, nobody nobody went with that. Yeah. I can't why. <laughs> but anyway, um, and you can really hear, it's interesting that there are some broadcasters who still use it a lot, and the BBC still uses it a lot. And you can really hear, if you know what to listen for, then you can really hear it uh, as it sort of drops up and down in quality. And, you know, if you listen, if you know what to listen to, you can usually spot a Skype call you know, fairly easily. So, uh, yeah. And I think, you know, we, we've now got so many other options. We've got, you know, everything from Squadcast to clean feed, uh, you know, to a bunch of these things that, uh, you know, theoretically work are supposed to work far better, but Skype, you know, actually it's been going for a long, long time and Microsoft have unusually not actually ruined it. So, uh, which is surprising. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's not a massive bloated thing with 35,000 options. So uh, now that we've talked, <laughs> no, our, we've had our Skype session there. I actually don't mind it. The reason why I use it is not because I like it at all, but if I know that the person can record a double ender, I don't care how we're talking, to be honest. To be honest, yeah. if they're domestic, I'd rather probably just call them on the phone and then record two microphones yes. at once. But that's not always an option. But Skype to me is just something that's so ubiquitous across devices for people. They don't have to feel forced into using, like, if you say to a non-technical person, I'd love you one as a guest, but you must have Chrome and it must be this version, they're going to be like, no, sorry. Yeah. Th that's yeah, not happening. No, exactly. I don't care yeah, exactly. how good it is for you that I use it. I'm not doing that. And, I, yeah, so I still stick with Skype. But yeah. get, getting right back to radio. <laughs> so as someone that's not based in North America, like myself, do you find it odd the way that radio is described by a lot of people who talk about podcasting that are based in North America as a product that is not very good. Because I think, well, personally, I'm probably very biased, but I think Australia probably has one of, if not the best radio markets across the board from public to commercial that there is in the world at the moment. Is it because we're spoiled or are they wrong? Because um, radio is not that I, bad. I, is it? It's not as bad as people say. It's not no, Yeah. I, I think you've got I think you've got a, a number of things going on here. I mean, I think firstly, radio in America is pretty awful. Right. And, uh, you know, if you listen to I mean, I, I hired a car when I was last in Las Vegas. I hired a car and had a, a, a couple of days off and that was lovely. And I drove drove the car around and 
listened to American radio and I thought this will be really nice. It'll be a, a nice experience. And it was all either automated or piped in from miles away or, you know, it was just it was just a boring experience. And part of that is to do with the research that they have, which uh, stops you from doing anything interesting and anything that isn't beige and boring. But also part of that is is just because of the way that it works. You know, in Las Vegas, um, there are easily 40, 45, 50 different radio stations. Well, you know, here in Brisbane, probably about 12. You know, there's not that many in comparison. And uh, that means that those 12 radio stations are comparatively richer, can, uh, you know, have more listeners. And they're not just taking stuff from, you know, miles away. So I think, you know, that there's a there's a uh, you know, one side of it is that radio in the US is pretty awful and radio here in Australia and in the UK is rather better. And of course, we've got, you know, the ABC uh, here who are doing a good job as well and who don't care about the commercial dollar at the end of it. So you've got that kind of kind of side. But I think you also have a side of radio is is an old person's thing and people in tech are young and basically if you have a look at uh, radio's audience yes you know nine out of ten of us it's about 93 percent in brisbane who listen to the radio uh, every week you know 93 percent is a really big figure and it's much higher than uh, most people expect but it's a lot of old people and if young people are listening to the radio, they're listening for not that long. And they're listening actually to more on-demand content than they are to live radio. So I think it's, a, it's kind of a mix of both things. You know, technology companies are run by young people, are run by people who think that they know um, what the future of media consumption is. Whereas radio listening is, uh, you know, skewing older, uh, unfortunately. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I think it's a b bit of both. Yes, U.S. radio is pretty awful, but also actually, you know, radio needs to be reinventing itself and keeping itself relevant to the young generation which is around. Yeah, and my default position, James, is always that I'm probably wrong about everything. So when my feeling was <laughs> radio can't be that bad because every time I turn on the radio here, whether it's, it doesn't matter what version of radio it is mm. from the really, really, you know, fantastic local stations through to mm. the public stuff through to commercial. But then I started thinking, is that because when you grow up in Australia as a radio listener of any kind, we have maybe something that no other country has that I know of at the, le at the level of cult fandom maybe that it has, we have a Triple J. And does that make yeah. my, does it make the Australian young person's listening experience different because we have such a cultural icon in a radio station that other countries well, I, don't have? Yeah, I mean, I think I think actually, you know, if you broaden it out a bit, I think that radio in other countries other than North America, and I include Canada in this as well, radio really focuses uh, in in most countries at younger audiences and making sure that you listen when you're 15, when you're 16, when you're 20, when you're 25. You know, that's what Triple J is for. That's what the hit network is for here or has been for in the past. That's what, uh, you know, Radio One uh, and Capital are for in the UK. And they don't have that in the US because they're not a very attractive audience for advertisers. 
and everything is driven by the advertisers in the in in the US. So you have this wealth of radio stations aiming at 30-something females, and that's fine because that's where the money is. But that does mean that the radio industry in the US particularly has not been focused on younger audiences. And so as a result, younger audiences haven't picked up radio as a habit. Um, and, you know, radio really only exists still because it's a habit, because we wake up in the morning to the same station every single day. We get into the car. The radio is on. It's automatically there. So we keep on having a listen, you know, and that's a very different uh, thing from a podcast where you actually have to make a decision. Now I'm going to go and have a listen. Now I'm going to, you know, um, listen to this particular show. So, you know, I think if the U.S. market was not as focused on this quarter's numbers, but actually more focused on how do we grow our business over the next five years, then the U.S. market would have been a little bit cleverer in terms of focusing a little bit more on radio that's interesting for younger audiences. I mean, obviously, I'm no expert, so I'm, <laughs> I'm deferring to you and your expertise, but that makes perfect sense to me and is entirely logical. So when the core driver of what the industry is based on is nothing remotely about creativity first and quality first, it's about dollars yeah. first, then there's going to be a flow-on effect. Yeah, and, you, uh, and you've got, you know, I mean, the ABC and the BBC both, um, because they don't have to worry about commercial revenue and they don't actually have to worry about the figures either, what it does also mean is that their quality is really high. And you listen to some of the stuff that comes out of the ABC, some of the stuff that comes out of the BBC, and that's really good that doesn't also have 10 minutes of ads an hour. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, if you're a commercial station, you have to work really hard because you've got a really good competitor without any of the ads, without any of the, you know, advertising for tiles uh, that you have to cope with. Uh, and so therefore, you know, what a, what a great thing. Yeah. And so I think it does sort of, you know, keep our quality high and keep and keep the industry healthy. Just as a complete aside, I, my favourite commercial radio person, probably one of my favourite, I guess, personalities in Australia, full stop, Marty Sheargold, left Kate, Tim and Marty the other day on the Nova yes, Network. Yes, he did. And he did again. He's a monster on the radio. Not only is he probably, in my opinion, the funniest person I've ever heard on the radio, he, mm. he's very dark, which suits my personality. I'm pr I have not listened once to anything, one thing on their radio station since, since finding yeah. out he was leaving. So yeah. it's because there's so many competitors here. I can just go over to Triple J because I'm, yeah, I'm no, 37, but I guess because I'm still playing music and writing music, that music, Triple J still appeals to me a little bit more maybe yeah. than someone my age normally would. Or I yeah. just, you know, go looking for another kind of station. Or And you see, it's interesting for me because, um, so I listen to a fair amount of Double J, which is the older version yeah. of uh, Triple J. This is a very niche conversation, yes, isn't it? It is. But anyway. Well, this is mostly, <laughs> listen, hopefully this show appeals to people in Australasia. So Yeah, indeed. Um, and of course, I'm listening to Double J a fair bit. I'm listening to 4KQ, which is an oldest station up here, you know, a fair bit as well. And I don't recognize every third song. And I was there going... Why is it that it's that every third song almost it seems to play um, a song that I've never heard, and then I and then I suddenly realised that that's because radio in this country has to play about a third of Australian music, yeah, and it's Australian music that never made it outside of 
Australia. And so therefore, you know, I grew up in the UK, worked on radio stations in the UK. And so all of this music is new to me, even Double J, which is supposedly playing an awful lot of old stuff, is still brand new to me. Yeah. So it's a it's a really weird, you know, it's 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 very strange moving, uh, you know, moving entirely, moving ten thousand miles, and not having that cultural background, not understanding, you know, this song and understanding, you know, understanding about the Whitlams and the Go Betweens and everything else, and you and you, you know, just literally not having that as part of your your cultural reference it's been quite interesting to uh, deal with and of course the abc's majestic fanfare which the first time i heard it i was thinking what is this thing <laughs> just before the news what is this thing yeah <laughs> um and now of course it sounds perfectly normal so, yeah yeah it, just to round up the radio conversation just for anyone who is listening that's outside of australia and new zealand and places that may be familiar with a triple j for example triple j is a station where this is probably going back a long time for people in North America to know what this is kind of like, but this is something that people play at their weddings. <laughs> like it's not something, yes. like it, it's something people get tattooed on their bodies. It's reasons why relationships break up. If one of the couples, not a triple J listener, people get dumped for it. <laughs> like it's a, it's a massive deal. Yeah. And I, I remember getting, getting Ollie, the station director, uh, to come and speak at a radio conference that I ran in the UK because I wanted him to talk about the Triple J Hottest 100, which, uh, which uh, is happens every legendary. year at the end of January. Yeah. yeah, because that is a massive, massive thing. And yeah. it's the biggest, easily the biggest um, streaming radio event in the world. There is no bigger. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I, I remember sort of, you know, saying, come and come and uh, speak at our conference. We won't pay you. Uh, just come and speak. Yeah. And amazingly, he did. And uh, yeah, just just incredible. So uh, yeah, it's a big thing. Okay. So if we're, we're as podcasters, maybe like I have a local show, James, one of the shows I do is a local interview show. Mm. How good does my show have to be when radio is already so good in our country? Like it's, I'm competing and i'm i'm actually one of these people that thinks that when people say there's no competition in podcasting that might be a little bit of an immature statement i think there definitely is because people only have a finite amount of listening time they can dedicate to audio in total yeah and you want to be part of that time if you can be so maybe i'm wrong there as well but no i think i think that's absolutely right and i think uh so firstly we we do have a finite amount of time to have a listen to stuff Podcasting typically is listened to alone. So uh, when you look at the the amount of alone time that we have, most of us have actually seen that shrink over the last three or four months um, because of the lack of commuting time and the lack of of all of that kind of stuff. So there is a real there's a real um, uh, you know, it's really hard for, you know, podcast number five to come along and say, I know you're already listening to another four shows, but can you squeeze mine in? It's got to be a really good show. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I completely get that. And I think, you know, what we can do that radio can't is obviously on demand. So we actually fit in with people's lives uh, in a much better way than 
you know, than radio does. But I think also in another way, it means that we don't have to follow the radio station guidelines. We don't have a, a, you know, a gatekeeper who's there telling us that we can do certain things and we can't do other things. You know, if you're, if you're on, uh, if you're on the ABC, if you're on Triple J, for example, you cannot talk about going to Woolworths to do a weekly shop. You can't do that. You have to talk about the supermarket. Yeah. Talk about Suncorp <laughs> Stadium here in Brisbane. You have to talk about Lang Park, which nobody calls it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, because of because of the rules that that uh, that uh, they have. So, I think casting can be rather more real. And podcasting, you know, if we're doing an interview, we don't have to we don't have to break ten minutes in to go to the traffic and then the weather and then an ad break. You know, we don't we don't have to worry about all of that uh, stuff. So, I think it's far more. Uh, you know, real and human than you can necessarily get away with on the air. That's all great stuff. And I think when I think about my own listening habits and you brought up that maybe for a lot of people, their alone time has shrunk. I'm thinking, I've been thinking about going back to using Castro Plus instead of Overcast because it's got a smoother motion for changing the order of which the podcasts are in my player. Because right. I'm, I'm definitely, when a podcast I love more, particularly Bill Burr's Monday Morning Podcast, whenever that comes in, for the first time in a long time, I'm thinking I've got to prioritize that and move it right to the top. Yeah. And I haven't done that for a, a fair while. I just listen to everything as I get to it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, stuck, I'm stuck with Google Podcasts. Um, and uh, that stuck that with by choice or stuck with by none of this. well stuck with because I, sh- I I'm uh, you know I use an Android uh, uh, phone because you know ov- obviously it's better um, but right, yeah. uh, the um, but the podcast apps on it slightly less than good so I don't I don't have any of this fancy playlist stuff but I do find myself picking and choosing the shows that I want to you know that I want to actually go and uh, and uh, have a listen to. And uh, yeah, I mean, weirdly, Overcast is the one app that I wish was on Android because, you know, the te- the the clever tech in there that Marco has put into that uh, into that app is really, really clever. Pretty much detours and rabbit holes is how this show works, James. So just to go there, why is it because <laughs> no Android developer has what I would call the Marco bump? Marco could have released a poor app and it would have had an audience. Luckily, he produced an incredible app. But is it because of his stature that he was able to release an app and have an audience and a, a listenership straight away? Is that why? Because I'm thinking of the... Yeah, I don't like, know. Why, I mean, why is there no app that good on Android? I mean, is Pocket Cast comparable? I don't have Pocket Cast, I don't think, but people talk a lot about that. Is that comparable on Android? I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, Pocket Casts is, uh, it's a good Australian made, it's a good app, which, you know, which is certainly if you're going to, uh, if you're going to download a podcast app, then Pocket Casts is probably one of those on Android. But, you know, I think uh, the clever things with Overcast, um, and I don't think it's, you know, the uh, the virtual reality field that goes around Marco. I think it's just the intelligence that he's put into that product are things like, you know, he was the first to do voice boost, you know, to make everything sound loud and easy to hear, uh, which if you're, you know, out taking the dog for a walk down a 
busy street, then you know you really do need that that uh, that uh, sort of thing. Um, he was the first to work out, you know, um, uh, skipping or the worst to do, the first to do this properly, to do you know trim silences and all that kind of uh, stuff. But he has not. You know, he's not been lazy and just found a library to um, to build that for him. He has sat down with, you know, the audio and gone, right, how what is the best way of decoding this MP3 and, you know, and processing it in such a way that it sounds good and loud, but it doesn't sound as if something's fiddled with it and all this kind of stuff. He's, he's done some really good proper coding in a way that actually is much harder in Android because you have, you know, thousands of different devices with different chipsets with different, you know, stuff. And so you're abstracted a bit more from the hardware in a way that you're not in the, uh, you know, in the Apple world. Um, and that's good and that's bad, you know? So, uh, yeah. So I think, I think, you know, I mean, I, I would argue that the user experience in, in Overcast isn't particularly brilliant, but the technology behind it is the thing that makes it work really well. It's why I swapped from Castro. Castro to me has the best mm. user experience as someone. It's a power listener that I've ever come across. Yeah. It's a beautiful experience, but the technology is simply just better in Overcast and I've just stayed in it. So. Yeah, and uh, and as one example, if you release a new show on Overcast, as soon as Overcast realizes, which for me is less than five minutes, it goes and tells every single Overcast user that subscribes to that show, download this new show, it's available now. Now, that's something that Apple doesn't do. That's something that Castro doesn't do. That's something that nobody else does. But it's a really simple, straightforward piece of tech um that just works and so you know it's fascinating i host my own show so i can actually watch exactly how different you know different podcast apps react to when i release a new show how what what happens if i do this and that and the other and you can really see that there's something clever going on with with uh, overcast where you know, I have thousands of people <laughs> downloading my show within two minutes of it, yeah. of it, you know, coming out, which is, which in some ways is good, and in some ways is, oh my goodness, I've got to, I've got <laughs> to ramp up to cope with this additional uh, traffic. But you know, still there we go. Yeah, it's actually funny you mentioned that because the original reason that I got the Overcast app was to test, listen to my own shows, and. Castro do have a function called sideloading in their pro version, but it's limited mm. only to being able to access your iCloud when I prefer just to be able to load something directly up through the desktop because I'm already on there. I just yeah. open – and that was the reason I changed. But I don't know what the technology is called, and I do know that it's some kind of refreshment, refreshing technology of whether it's the feed or everything. I, know, I think Captivate use it as well. I've heard them talk about it. But – if I swiped on Castro, I mean, it mm. could sometimes take an hour for the show that I'd loaded up to appear there. And usually within yeah. 20 or 30 seconds, I can listen to and review my episode in Overcast. Yeah. It's just there instantly as soon as it uploads. Yeah. So there's a piece of technology called WebSub, yeah, um, that's it. which yep. is the technology. Now, weirdly, Overcast doesn't actually use it, but what Overcast does uh, is that it is checking RSS feeds um, very, very often. Um, and that's typically how that bit works. But uh, WebSub, 
you know, Google Podcasts uses it, Pod Hero uses it. There's a bunch of other things that uh, use that uh, as well. And that really does work in terms of I upload a new show, I tell the the uh, the hub that I've uploaded a new show and then bang, everybody downloads it. Yeah, right. You know, so that's really smart. You know, Marco it hasn't implemented that because only 20% of podcasters are actually using it and his current plan is good enough he says and i think probably he's about right yeah. um but you know you can you can certainly see you know i've worked with a bunch of podcast um app developers and one of the big pain points that they have is how do i spot a new show because i can't possibly check 1.3 million rss feeds every 3 minutes because that will that will kill me so how can i spot a new show and and get it out there as soon as i possibly can and that's a really interesting technical technical uh, challenge that something like websub really you know helps with i do know and i'm not sure whether it's integrated into that kind of thinking that in uh, sorry overcast you can actually see how active the app platform itself feels that a show is so Mm. there's a a couple of shows that currently haven't released for a few months that it's labeled as inactive and i'm wondering if that's part of that oh yeah 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 no absolutely yeah you you wouldn't go check it if you don't think it's doing anything you'd check it less regularly so so the way that most of these things work is that they um they sit there and they go okay this one looks as if it releases a new show every day at about nine o'clock in the evening and so therefore i will uh check every five minutes um between you know six and twelve and see if i can spot that new show coming out so quite a lot of it is around yeah you know um uh, having a look back at what you've uh, what a particular show has done and then working out when that next show should be you know coming out and if you you know so if they were to release a new episode of serial then there hasn't been any episodes of serial for a year and a half so that might take a day or so to appear um because nobody w- will really be checking that feed an awful lot in comparison to you know an episode of the daily for example so uh, yeah beyond the tech talk i guess just for everyone listening james why this is important to me is that if i'm either producing a show which most of the people listening to this are producers not just podcast listeners only i can promote the show and know that the for the majority of people they're not going to be frustrated when they go to their app that the show that i've just said is available is not available yeah yeah as a, as a listener that's annoying when that happens because it used to happen a lot for shows that were on feedburner People would have automatic stuff set up from their WordPress blog that would go out automatically to Twitter saying new episodes live, mm. but it and wouldn't. Of be. course, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, and it still takes it still takes some time for shows to appear in Apple Podcasts, yeah. um, because Apple Podcasts works in a very different way. You, you know, so you've you've always you're always going to have a bit of that a bit of that issue. But uh, yeah, you know, it is it's it's one of the things that fascinates me around different podcast apps that do things in very different ways. And Apple Podcasts itself is actually very old fashioned in some of the ways that it works and incredibly poor for for, uh, privacy as well. You know, Apple Apple sits there and prides itself on how private it is and how, you know, it doesn't give its user data to anybody. Anybody except, of course, if you're a podcast host, because I can look at the people who are using Apple Podcasts. I can see every single time their phone is checking my RSS feed 
which is, you know, um, multiple times a day. And, you know, if if I was so minded, I could go and have a look at these at these people and work out, oh, so-and-so has left their house now. I, I don't know their name, but, you know, I certainly know that that particular person has left their house in this suburb of Melbourne and is now on the, you know, and is now, you know, somewhere else. And it looks as if they're heading into Melbourne because by the looks of things, the last three pings that they've made, you know, uh, for me, they're getting closer to the CBD. You know, you can do all of that kind of really invasive stuff because of the way that Apple Podcasts works. And virtually no other podcast app works in that way. But, you know, but but it's Apple. And so, therefore, we must not uh, we must not be rude about Apple because, yeah, right. you know, okay. bad things happen. Well, I only use Apple and I'm not exactly in love with it. So, yeah, <laughs> I've got no emotional attachment. Yeah. yeah, so just, I mean, it might be a joke in bad taste given what's happening in Australia today, but I'm pretty sure if Apple was, if you were mapping me, for instance, James, you'd see that I, I'm building a studio outside the house. It's not done yet, but you'd see a lot of trips to Bunnings and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Indeed. Indeed. The the sausage uh, snags came back over last last weekend up here. So uh, Yeah, that's good. I saw that I in know. Queensland and Western Australia. So Yes. That, that's another yes. Australian institution. The, the sausages are coming <laughs> back. You're, you're good. This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.